even before we start, let, let me, I request Pastor Prem to just lead us in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege. We thank you for keeping all of us safe in the midst of all this pandemic, uncertainty, and Lord, anxiety. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we pray that you would minister to us today. You will speak to us. Lord, uh, we, we pray that uh, the, the glory of heaven and your mind, uh, Lord, Master, Savior, behind your word, uh, we will be able to learn, Father. We will not just uh, learn, Lord, information. We will not just get information. It will impact our lives, Father, and we will take steps, corrective steps, to live those words for your glory. We bless, uh, we pray that you would bless Pastor, anoint him, and give him the wisdom, the insight, and even the question that arise up, Lord, we pray that we will be able to, us will be able to answer, Lord, be with us and guide us. In yes. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. We have seen uh, up to chapter four. Uh, today we'll be seeing chapter five. The entire book is nothing but the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Uh, we all have questions. You are most welcome to use the chat box to ask your questions. Towards the end, we'll have a question and answer session. Uh, we'll, we will be trying to answer your questions. It is your questions which makes us think. So the more the questions you ask, we will also think, we will also work hard. Uh, so I encourage all of you to join the chat box. It doesn't matter. Whatever is your doubt, they are all very valuable. Uh, we uh, welcome those doubts. We saw John's vision of God in chapter 4. Now the vision continues. Now in chapter 5, what we see is John's vision of the Lamb. Now, this is how this vision begins. In chapter 5, John is talking about a scroll that is held in the right hand of the one seated upon the throne. God the Almighty in his right hand, God the Father in his right hand is holding a scroll. That's how he begins the chapter. Now, chapter 4 was all about the eternal God, our, our Heavenly Father. And in chapter 5, we have a matching revelation. If you think about the vision that John had in chapter 4, it is almost an equally matching revelation which centers on the Lamb. And here we see the lamp has the ability to open the scroll. The scroll has seven seals, and it is written on both sides. We'll be seeing that. But lamp has the ability to open the scroll, and that's what we are going to see today. Uh, this is how the chapter begins. Then I saw in the right hand of him, who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. I saw John is an eyewitness. He didn't hear, uh, it's not a third party vision he's talking about. 
the apostle john says i saw he saw he is the eyewitness now, the legal documents those days were often sealed uh, or were often with seven seals imprinted with the attestations of seven witnesses that's how the legal documents were sealed not the way we have the present day uh, registration so the seals were there they were imprinted and there were also witnesses uh, now if anyone wants to the scroll is uh, if anyone wants to open that tamper with that you can easily make out so the wax seals have to be broken and there will be strings below that to then they will remove the strings to open the scroll so the wax seals ensures ensure that nobody has tampered with the document these are all legal documents very important documents that is why you have seven seals and seven witnesses the roman documents normally had this kind of an arrangement uh, some of the palestinian jewish documents also had this kind of arrangement they've recovered and uh, they had this interestingly the scrolls were normally written only on one side the on the other side they normally reserved the other side to write the address or the title that's how they use the second page uh, if you are all uh, familiar with the uh, house documents land documents even today in the registration office they normally they write on the one side the stamp paper and on the other side they will just affix the seals and they will enter the uh, number and uh, they will take the signature of the witnesses and all those things they do it's almost similar to that they normally write only on one side but this scroll is particularly full and written on both sides then i saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and it was sealed with seven seals now this scroll is the book of the eternal decrees of god god has already decreed you know and this scroll contains those orders or those events it is not that god is waiting and then he will write his order no he has already written he is god so this scroll contained that kind of orders uh, now because there are seven seals that means the contents are completely hidden no one knows the contents it is it is sealed it is sealed and no one knows what is written inside so that's what makes this vision more interesting now i said normally they write uh, only on one side but in the in the bible we have a reference that scroll written on both sides do you remember or do you recollect 
as you have as you have read the old testament do you recollect the uh, reference to scroll yes ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 9 yeah ezekiel chapter 2 thank you sister ezekiel chapter 2 9 and 10 says then i looked and i saw a hand stretched out to me in it was a scroll which he unrolled before me on both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe on both sides were written i said normally they use the other side to write the title or address but in the biblical record it says that both sides they had written words of lament and mourning and woe now we come to verses 2 and 3 and i saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll who is worthy he has already seen those 24 elders is there anyone among you who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it i said the scroll has been sealed with seven seals uh, and no one has ever looked into it and no one had the ability to see that now no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look inside it what does it imply no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it what does it imply anyone would like to make a guess why why did john write this no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it nobody was worthy nobody was worthy yes thank you so much nobody is worthy why nobody is worthy we're all born in sin born in sin oh yes god will remain god all the time god is god he is a different being so we are talking about god's documents so god's documents can be accessed only by god just remember the names like abraham isaac jacob moses david peter paul no no one no one no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it sometimes we think that we can access god's secret so easily or we think we have access to everything that god has access god is always god and he should always remain as god in our lives he is god we are just created beings he is altogether different 
That is why no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. Now, this also signifies this is a, the topmost document. So we should become curious. What is inside this? What is inside it? Because no human being, however holy saint he might be, he was not able to open it. So we should have that curiosity. I want to know what is written in the scroll. That is the importance of the scroll. That's how he's introducing this chapter. See the next verse. I wept and wept because no one was found was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. In other words, why did John was weeping? He, I wept enough. I wept and wept because John knew that God has a plan for your human history. And he wants to know that God's plan for human history. And he's so upset why there is no one who could open this scroll. He was totally upset because he knew that if I can have a peep into this scroll, I will also know God's plan for this earth, for this humanity. I will know God's plan. And that is the reason he is weeping and weeping. And then in verse five, we see, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. One of the elders, there are 24 elders. One of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, interesting expressions in this verse. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. These are all scriptural references. John is, uh, his, his knowledge of Old Testament is, is so good. He has immersed himself in the study of Old Testament to such an extent that he is writing more of the Old Testament for all of us to understand. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Now, these are all scriptural references. Now, where in the Bible do we find references to the expressions, lion of the tribe of Judah and root of David? Where in the Bible do we find references to the expressions, lion of the tribe of Judah and root of David? If you have an NIV Bible, just at the bottom, you find the references. In the bottom itself, you have references. You have Genesis chapter 49, 8 to 9. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a Lions Club, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? 
This is Jacob's blessing. Imagine that. Imagine the beauty of scriptures. Jacob, you know, he was blessing Judah, and this is the way he blessed Judah. And he, Judah is not the firstborn. Judah is not the firstborn, and this is the way he blessed him. Isaiah 11.1, 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Isaiah 11.8, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. The nations, not one nation, the nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Then John says in 5.6, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, in verse 5, we saw the expressions, do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. So what was John expecting to see? What was John expecting to see? A lion. A lion. There is no reference to lamb. This is what he wanted to see. That's what they said. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And imagine you're, you're expecting to see lion and then he sees a lamb. Because he knows, John, all of us know, lion is the king of beasts. We all want to see, we want to become like lions. And John also wanted to see lion, and but he's seeing a lamb. Because lion always represents power and force. And John also wanted to see lion so that that those people who are persecuting the believers would be destroyed. We have seen this letters written to seven churches, how they were undergoing persecution. He's also a man like you and me, and he wants God to come and rescue his people, and the enemies should be destroyed. Instead of that, he's seeing a lamb, sacrificial love, and gentleness. Here people are being murdered, they're being beaten, they're being thrown out of jobs. So he would have been very, very happy if he had seen the lion, and instead of lion, what he sees is a lamb. Let's never forget the might of Christ is the power of love. The might of Christ is the power of love. 
Even in, in the time of Jesus, most Jews, they were expecting a Messiah who would come and fight the Roman authorities and who will just drive them out from that country or will destroy them and will restore to them the nation. But we know how Jesus lived and what he said. Now, lion was the ultimate power in the animal kingdom. Interesting. Lion was the ultimate power, whereas he sees a lamb which was considered powerless. Compare lion with a lamb. And that to a lamb also is okay. A slaughtered lamb. Because it was looking as if it had been slain. Lamp itself is no good, powerless, weak, but that lamp also is looking as if it had been slain. Now, this is a dramatic contrast. Lion versus lamp. They said, lion of the tribe of Judah, and John gets to see lamb. You know, the fundamental message of God, the messianic expectation became very obvious on that first Palm Sunday when Jesus presented himself as God's Messiah. That's the time he's presenting himself as God's Messiah. He should have gone on a horse with all the weapons fully equipped. But instead of that, he's going on a donkey. Donkey is considered as a symbol of peace and humility. Jesus is telling us, this is the only way my kingdom will be established. My kingdom is not the kind of power you expect. My kingdom power is visible when in and through love. Instead of a ferocious lion that hurts others, the Messiah is a sacrificial lamb that takes into himself the hurts of others. He is a sacrificial lamb. The people were expecting a ferocious lion that will just drive away the Roman soldiers and establish his rule. But Jesus says that's not the way. The kingdom of God will be established. Kingdom of God will always be established by a sacrificial lamb. When you and I are ready to take the hurts of others, that is the way kingdom of God will be established. We, we all know this verse by heart, Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Let's go to the next verse. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. The same verse, we are looking at the second part. Standing at the center of the throne, 
encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Uh, this is a poetic way of describing. We should not make it into a literal translation, but we should try to understand what horns, what does horn uh, signify? Now, on what basis? Because he has seven horns. Seven horns represent that Christ has complete power. Though he was, the lamp had seven horns. Lamp might signify a weak animal, a powerless animal, but seven horns signify that Christ has complete power. And seven eyes means he sees and knows all things. That's what when we read in all the seven letters, we get to read that uh, phrase, I know, I know, I know. Christ knows everything. That's what the seven eyes uh, signify. Now, on what basis do we say that the imagery of horns uh, represents strength, authority, and power? I said the lamp had seven horns because the lamp had seven horns. Christ has complete power and authority over everything. Now, on what basis do we say this? On what basis do we make this statement? We should have a basis because the lamp had seven horns. And on what basis do we say the imagery of horns represents strength, authority, power? There are several references that somebody has written, Pastor Prem. Yeah, Pastor Sylvanus, Matthew 28:18. Okay. Uh, we, we will try to go to the Old Testament first uh, before we come to the uh, New Testament. Uh, when trying to uh, interpret the book of Revelation, we will always first go to the Old Testament. Uh, thank you, Silver, Pastor Sylvanus, for that. We will see some of few of the Old Testament references. First uh, Samuel 2, 1, then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Here, the word horn represents strength. My strength, my power. In the Lord, my strength is lifted high. We all know the story of Hannah and she prays. In the Lord, my strength is lifted high. Uh, let's go to 2 Samuel 22, 3. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my strength. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you save me. This verse will explain it more clearly. Moab's horn is cut off. Her arm is broken, declares the Lord. Moab's strength is cut off. Moab's power is gone. Her arm is broken. So when we see seven 
responds, we basically say Christ has absolute complete power. Uh, if you read uh, Daniel chapter 8, we have the vision of a ram and a goat, and there you will get to hear about the horns growing tall and breaking and all that. Then the four horns and all. Basically, it's talking about power, authority, and strength. Now, seven horns, yeah, we have understood a little bit. What about seven eyes? Seven eyes, where do we find that re reference? Revelation 1. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, we go back to Zechariah. Zechariah um, uh, 3.9 says, see the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone. And I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. Basically, John also takes the reference, seven eyes from this place. There are seven eyes on that one stone. In Zechariah 4.10, who dares despise the day of small things, since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Uh, today, wherever you are, in whatever situation you might be, you cannot escape or you are not outside the coverage of the seven eyes. You, you, we can go and lock ourselves in a room, but seven eyes has access. Seven eyes will be watching over us. We need to have that kind of assurance. That's the assurance. We may be going through struggles. We may be having pain. We may be having troubles. No one in the family may understand us, but there is someone who knows us, watching us, seeing us. These are the seven eyes. That, that should comfort us. That should encourage us. We may be disappointed, we may be discouraged, we may be depressed, but the seven eyes are watching us. And that, that should give us that courage and encouragement, and we should be comforted because we are not outside the purview of seven eyes. Now, what is the difference between the eyes in Zechariah and the eyes in Revelation 5-6? Seven eyes in Zechariah also, in Revelation 5, 6 also, seven eyes. Now, what is the difference between the eyes in Zechariah and the eyes in Is there a difference? If there is a difference, what is the difference? seven eyes of the Lord and uh, then it talks about the seven eyes of the Lamb. Uh, yes, Pastor. You are right, perfectly right. The eyes in Zechariah are God's eyes, the Lord's eyes. Here they belong to the Lord Jesus. Uh, so that's what he's telling us. 
Now we go to Revelation chapter five, seven. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Uh, this is, you know, John must have been excited to see this because he wept and wept. There was no one who, could, who was found worthy to open the scroll and he was waiting for this moment. Here is the lamb. And though it appeared as though it was slain, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. In other words, lamp alone in all the universe is able to understand the hidden degrees of decrees of God. I said the scroll contains the decrees of God, the plan of God for this for the humanity. And it is Lamb alone who is able to understand. He is not only able to understand, he will put these decrees into effect. Whoever opens the scroll, he also has the authority to execute what is written in the scroll. So here comes the Lamb. He took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, one should not ask, how can a four-footed lamb uh, or a four-footed creature can take a scroll and open its soul? This is all a poetic language. Now, when it comes to lamb, probably we understand it better. Now, the book of Revelation contains several images like this. So we should not take it in a literal way and say, how a four-footed creature can take a scroll and open its seats. That's not the way we understand the scripture. Now, when the lamp opens the scroll, he's about to disclose what the scroll contains. We want to see what is inside. Remember, Jesus Christ will not change the divine plan. He's not going to make any alteration on the divine plan. The plan has, has already been written and it is in the scroll, Jesus is not going to change. He's only going to execute it. The plan of God is unchangeable. It is unchangeable. Even the Lamb of God will not change his plans. Now, in the Roman wills, uh, as I told you, they were normally sealed with seven seals. Now, a will could be opened. Nobody can open the will until the death of the person. If I execute a will, my, that will can be opened only after my death. Is it not interesting to know that it is the lamb who has been slain is worthy to open it? It's interesting. We go to the next verse. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Now, this is for us to ponder. As they began their song of praise and worship, the four living creatures 
and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. What does this signify? That he was worthy. I didn't hear you, Sister Cynthia. That, that he was the only one who was worthy. He's the only one worthy. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Pastor Prem, somebody has sent their replies. Yeah. Two people, Didia, worship, and Pastor Silvanus, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God. Yes, yes, thank you for the replies. You know, they offer the same worship to Jesus Christ that they did to God the Father in the previous chapter. They fell on the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell on. And I don't think we need any more convincing proof of Christ's deity. Because Jewish people, they knew very well, only God is to be worshipped. And this vision once again shows us, by giving the same worship which they gave to God, the Almighty God, now they're giving this, extending the same worship to Christ, they're telling God the Father, God the Son are equal. There's no difference. There's no difference. Now, the 24 elders, they have incense and they also have harp. Uh, now, the 24 elders fall before the Lamb and offer golden bowls full of incense which are prayers of God's people. Now, here is John's first hint. He's just hinting the participation of church worship on earth with that of the church in heaven. Uh, listen to this carefully. As we worship God here, the same worship is also being presented in, in heaven. In other words, as we worship God here, the angels also participate along with us in our worship. So imagine how important it is. It is heaven, we worship. Have we not lost the, the reverence for our worship? Uh, I need to ask myself. Have we not lost that reverence? Because when we worship here in this earth, heaven joins us in worshiping. It is as this church, which is undergoing persecution, worships God, the victorious church of heaven joins the church, which is undergoing persecution in worshiping God. Now, all our prayers that we make here on earth are mingled with the worship of angels and archangels and all the hosts of heaven in adoration of God and the Lamb. Now we find that song in Revelation 5, 9 to 10. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain 
and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. We have already seen it's Christ alone who is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Now, John would have been very happy and encouraged with this song, Why? John would have been extremely happy and encouraged with this song, Why? God's mission fulfilled. God's mission fulfilled. Yes, thank you. Thank you. What else can we see from this song? See that, uh, that Jesus was worthy to open the scroll. In verse Jesus. 4, weeping. Yes. Continue, continue, Sister Cynthia. Yeah, in verse 4, John was weeping, wept, because he knew that there was nobody worthy. And now he knows that Jesus is worthy to open the scroll. Yeah, thank you. Yes, Jesus is worthy to open its scroll. Thank you. Anybody else? John was mighty happy. He was, he was, he, he must have thanked God. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm ready to come to you. That's the way he must have expressed, though it's not recorded in the Bible. Uh, that's the way he was excited. What, what could be that one reason that he was so excited? Well, uh, verse 10, and God has made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Reign on the earth. Yes, somebody has given one more answer, Pastor. Yeah, Divya, because he finally get to hear what's in the scroll. He finally gets to hear what's in the scroll, yes. Yes, thank you all for the answers. Now, John, uh, he, has, he knows the condition of those seven churches. Uh, wait, that's good. Uh, he knows the condition of the seven churches and uh, what's going to happen. And they were all undergoing uh, persecution. And they were all very small in size. Uh, they were not huge mega churches. They were very small in size. Now, when John heard this word, with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. When he heard that, he was excited because he knew that no human power could stop uh, the spread of uh, gospel. No human power could spread the, the spread of gospel. And the history proves that. And that's why John was very happy. You know, every tribe, language, and people, that means from every race. Uh, sometimes inside the church, we are racist. But in heaven, they say every tribe uh, and language and people and nation, every culture. In other words, it encompasses all humanity. 
you know, with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's why uh, we should never say they, this person cannot be saved, that person cannot be saved. Everybody can be saved, right from a drunkard to an addict to a murderer, everybody can be saved, right from one state to another state, from one language to another language group, everybody, every tribal group, every advanced civilized people, everybody can be saved. And John was very happy about it because he was concerned about the small struggling church. Nobody can destroy God's church. No force on earth will, will be able to destroy God's church. Persecution cannot stop the growth of church. So this must have brought a lot of joy and hope to John's heart. He was so glad. He was so happy when he saw that. You, with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Uh, we go to the next uh, two verses, 11 and 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, what is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing? Now, there are many angels, innumerable angels. Now, in some of your uh, Bibles, you will find the word uh, myriad upon myriad, or maybe the NIV has 10,000 times 10,000. Now, why does John end with 10,000 times 10,000? Sometimes people sit and calculate. I will tell you the calculation. It's not a difficult calculation but they say it is written in the Bible. This is the figure, 10,000 times 10,000. I know these many angels are there in heaven, but interestingly, why does John end with 10,000 times 10,000? Any mathematics student uh, would like to answer this question? Innumerable. Huh? It was innumerable. Innumerable. Okay, but why did he use the word 10,000 upon 10,000? Any science student would like to make a guess? Why 10,000 times 10,000? We have so many science students. Why 10,000 times 10,000? I would like to see a few guesses. Make a guess. There's, there's nothing wrong in making a guess. Why does John end with 10,000 times 10,000? Without checking your mobile or other things, you make a guess. <laughs> Mobiles are not supposed to give the answer. We want to hear from your mind. Infinite. Nobody is answering. Nobody wants to answer. Okay, if nobody wants to, okay, nobody wants to answer, answer we I'll answer that. Uh, 10,000 was the highest word for which the Greeks had a word. 
<laughs> highest number. 10,000 was the highest number for which the Greeks had a word. If you want to go and do research, please go and do research. You will find that was the highest number. And that's the reason 10,000 times 10,000. And mathematically, it's, it works very simple. If you want to calculate this, uh, it, is, it is just 100 million plus 1 million, that is 101 uh, million. Uh, you can, we can say that 101 million angels are there. No, that's not the answer. The, that's not the meaning of this verse. Uh, John simply means an infinite number, an infinite number. You cannot count this number. And uh, that's why John uses this word thousands upon thousands, uh, because that's the highest number you could think of. And not only a highest number, he says 10,000 times 10,000. That's the way expressing basically to say infinite number of angels were participating in this worship service. Now, this song uh, is considered to symbolize the fullness of the praise. On what basis do we say this? Because we have seen that in chapter four and five, there are five hymns of praise. And this song is considered as to symbolize the fullness of the praise, on what basis do we say this? This particular song. That's, it symbolizes the fullness of praise. Symbolizes. Very, very easy to make a guess. Um, when we saw the uh, elders praised, uh, there were only three terms in chapter four, verse 11. If you see chapter four, verse 11, you find um, glory, honor, and power. That's what we find in chapter four and 11. And now here they add on four more things, wisdom, uh, wealth, strength, and blessing. Some, some places you find praise, or some places you can have the word blessing. So there are seven terms, power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. Seven horns means absolute power, seven eyes means absolute uh, uh, you know, the, the capacity to see all around. So the seven terms means this is the fullness of the praise. He deserves more. But seven signifies that the fullness of the praise. That's why to the three that we found earlier, now the four more are added. And this is worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Can you imagine the type of worship that is being uh, given to Jesus Christ? The kind of praise that the angels give to Jesus for what he has accomplished 
is beyond anyone's imagination, what he has done for us. I pray this evening as we read this, we will get a glimpse of what Jesus has done for us. And we will know this Jesus for who he is. You know, the angels could recognize and they give that thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. That is the kind of worship that goes for Jesus. And if I pray that is the spirit we will have. It is not about uh, our music, our, our thing, but the, from the bottom of our heart, we will have that sense that he is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be worshipped. And that's the kind of worship that goes on in heaven. And they end this worship. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Now the worship is for the, this is the way the worship ends, both to God the Father, to God the eternal God, and to the Lamb. That's the way they end. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Now all creation joins in adoration. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. Every creature is going to worship God the Father, God the Son. And then this is how the vision ends. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You know, the chapter concludes with a great Amen as the elders fall down in worship. And this is the goodness of God is ringing in John's ears because we are going to see what's going to happen after this in chapter six onwards. The kind of terrors, the kind of things that will be let loose on the world. But now he knows the praise that's going on in heaven. It's, it's basically to give hope and a sense of victory to his people on earth in the struggle that lies ahead. You and I, as we go through the struggle, it is not only in times of persecution. Life in this world is a struggle. There are problems, there are trials, there are difficulties, but this should keep ringing in our ears. Who is our God? What Jesus has done for us. The angels could recognize and worship him and praise him. And we will also join the four living creatures and we will also say amen and we will fall down and worship him. Uh, if you have any questions, you can ask now. I've completed chapter five. We will go to chapter six. What's going to happen when the seven seals are broken? If you have any questions or you want to share any feedback, you can do so now. If, the, if there are no, yeah. 
one of the interesting observations you know we can make is um on verse one it says uh, uh, and i saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne sat on the throne and uh, then when it comes to verse 6 uh, uh and a um, and i looked and behold in the midst of the throne in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood a lamp as though it had been slain on the midst of the throne hmm? so um, we find uh, you know like uh, jesus is not a separate entity you know even though the god in three persons trinity we find that uh, he is worthy to be seated on the throne Hmm? He he is in the midst of the throne. Yes, uh, he is in the midst of the throne. Uh, the first verse purely refers to God the Almighty, mm-hmm. the one who is seated on the throne at the right hand of Him. Uh, mm-hmm. It is it is God the Almighty is in His right hand. He has a scroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, it doesn't talk about uh, Christ. yeah we talk about the lamp it because in chapter 4 it is all about the vision of god uh, i think there are some questions pastor yes pastor uh devabalan has asked uh, why it is mentioned as they sang a new song instead of they sang a song and uh, pastor silvanus asked pastor what does no one under the earth could open the scroll mean in 53 new song what is the new song and uh, about the those under the earth new song because uh, there are three this one now it is being added in fact uh, he will be exalted all if you if you read philippians chapter 2 we know what's going to be what's going to happen to jesus uh, he will be exalted above all name and uh, god the father is not jealous if you give more praise to uh, uh, jesus christ and that's what's happening a new song with four more words uh, to make that i said this praise is going to be complete the trinitarian god is beyond our understanding there's no fight amongst them and jesus uh, you know all uh, as of now everything is under the authority of jesus if you read corinthians we will get to know that uh, everything is under the authority of jesus a time will come when jesus will hand it over back to god the father so they are worshiping their angels they all know who is right now the things that are uh, that are uh, under the control of jesus in matthew chapter 28 jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and a new song is only that it is just fitting that that exaltation a new song it is not to uh, decry or to show uh, god the father in a poor light it is just he has been exalted so a new song four more words and a perfect hymn under the earth uh, it is it is to say that you go under over anywhere there's nobody is worth worthy enough to open the scroll uh, we should not uh, dwell deep into this word under the earth what does it mean is it the departed souls and all that uh, that in itself is a separate study when we want to study heads 
to understand uh, the Jewish understanding of hates, uh, their understanding of resurrection, and their understanding in other places and the biblical way of understanding that. We will not go into that extent. In other words, whether the dead people, I told you Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Job, all were there, but there was no one worthy to open the scroll. In totality, no one was. In totality. Yes, Pastor. Kuso has sent a question. We saw that horns indicate power, but in Daniel, we see a beast with 10 horns. How do they tell the numbers if it is symbolic? In Daniel, the horns meant kingdoms. So is it possible that Daniel would have seen horns in his vision literally? Can you just read it once again, Pastor? We saw that horns, horns indicate power, but in Daniel, we see a beast with 10 horns. How do they tell the numbers if it is symbolic? Uh, in Daniel, the horns meant kingdom. So is it possible that Daniel would have seen horns in his vision literally? So only two questions. How do they tell the numbers if it is symbolic? And uh, is it possible that Daniel would have seen horns in his vision literally? Daniel would have seen the vision. Vision is very clear. That's how he's uh, describing. So literally he has seen the horns. There's no doubt about it. Uh, why do we say it's, uh, it, uh, I told, why don't we go to Samuel and where Hannah says, uh, when she prays that you are my strength and uh, the Moab's horn is cut off. That means that power is cut off. Uh, Daniel's vision basically talks about the Alexander and the uh, four kingdoms which will come after that historically and it has been proved historically and that's why many people doubt the very book of Daniel how could he predict it so accurately so if you read the history after the death of Daniel what happened how the kingdom was divided amongst four of his generals uh, that vision becomes very clear uh, seven denotes it is not the seven literally that there will be seven nations or something. It's not that. Seven is complete. That means Jesus has complete power. All authority in heaven and on earth. Seven horns is equal, is equal to all authority in heaven and on earth, under the earth. Everything has been given to me. No more questions, Pastor. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you all for participating. Uh, you're most welcome. Is there, I think there's one more. No, thank you. Just Pastor Selvanas has said thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for asking, keeping us the keeping this session lively. Your participation makes it more meaningful and more interesting. Uh, shall we all uh, read this prayer? To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unfailing love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining. Thank you, Pastor. Thank, Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you all for joining. Thank you, Pastor. All of you are most welcome to join our Sunday service, which is on Zoom.
If any one of you are, is interested, uh, you're most welcome to join our Sunday worship. We'll be able to send you the link uh, if you contact us. You can also tell your friends, those, of, uh, those, of, uh, those who want to study the word of God in depth, they are most welcome to join this Bible study. Have a blessed week.